Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. This week's a bit of a different week in the sense that we've started off a very new transition. So I've just picked a one-off sermon which I think is going to be really helpful for us uh, as we think about this transition we've gone to this week with uh, two locations and uh, two services at the same time. So uh, a passage today is uh, a very common one that's often read at weddings and you're probably already thinking back through your memory banks now of all the weddings you've been to, what passage that is. Well, yes, you're right if you're thinking of 1 Corinthians 13. It's often read as the love chapter at a wedding. It's very powerful and rich in its depth as Paul opens up for us uh, the wonder of God's love. But it's not necessarily written for weddings. Uh, When you think about this chapter and where it sits, uh, it's actually designed for a church that's deeply divided and experiencing many challenges on many levels. Uh, In and through that though, there's powerful implications for us in this chapter that can actually help serve to unite the Corinthians and grow them deeper in the love of Christ. Also for us to see us grow deeper and to unite us together in this glorious love that Jesus has shown us. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 13 and we are going to read uh, the first seven verses. And I'm probably standing right in the front of that thing there, aren't I? So you'll be right. You've all brought your Bibles, haven't you? I can see some telephones. Yeah, yeah, I can see some telephones in hand. That's fine. That's great. 1 Corinthians uh, 13, verses 1 through 7. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Uh, Lord, thank you for this uh, great opportunity, this unique opportunity, this really, really special opportunity we get to have to open up your word. So we ask and pray that, Holy Spirit, you would just come now and just work in your word. Grow us in Christ, grow us in his love, unite us together, we pray. And uh, Lord, to see marvellous things about you as we open up your word. We ask for your help now, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we live in delicate days as far as the church is concerned. We enter a phase where the church as a body of people is under pressure. Uh, particularly Victoria, the way gatherings have been sort of uh, regulated somewhat by the government, it's um, put us into a very sort of delicate position as far as the body is concerned. Uh, Certainly the decisions we have to make as elders who are charged with shepherding uh, Jesus' church, the decisions we've had to make over the past few weeks and months, uh, these decisions have had much turmoil, much pain 
and no easy path to follow in making these decisions we've had to make over the past weeks and months. Now, the elders of this church stand before God undergoing a stricter judgment for the decisions we make. We're told this in James chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. James is writing to the elders there and he tells them, you'll be judged with greater strictness in that position of a teacher or elder in that church. What's that verse designed to do? That verse is designed to bring sobriety into our lives, particularly as elders or leaders of the church. The office of elder isn't to be taken lightly. Isn't to be taken lightly. And we don't take it lightly at exchange. We actually get suitable candidates who can actually fulfil that office as an elder. And certainly with the decisions we've had to make, we're patently aware with all the decisions we've had to make that they don't please everybody. Let me say this clearly and trusting that you won't misunderstand me when I say it. Our God-given charge as elders of the church isn't to please people with all of our decisions. That's not the charge that God gives to us, is go out and please everybody with the decisions you make. So we are to please people, but we can't make every decision that will please every single person given the conditions and the circumstances that we face. As the elders, we're told in 1 Peter chapter 5 to exercise oversight. Have a look at me in this passage here as well. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Just thinking about here in the role that we're playing and that word there, exercising oversight, which means taking into consideration the whole body of people when we exercise oversight, not over some groups, but the whole body we take into consideration as we make challenging decisions. Exercising oversight means we use the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and we use the truth of the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ, that will glorify him in every decision we make and also to grow people into a deeper relationship with him and each other. That's what it is to make uh, or exercise oversight in that light, trying to glorify God and trying to help people to grow in him. It's not an easy dynamic to make decisions in. It's a challenging dynamic to make those decisions in. Sometimes we can be understood as unloving and uncaring leaders at times for the decisions we may make. And on the other end of the scale, sometimes we can be also understood as being too soft with their decisions. We didn't go far enough or hard enough on certain things. We'll be seen to be at both ends of the spectrum. Now, I say all that as a sort of a lead-up to this point about eldership and the challenge and the difficulty, the dynamic we're in and all this, because we arrive at a very critical time in the life of the church. As we navigate people's choices, re-vaccines, government regulations for gatherings, as we navigate that, and then combining that with growing us in Christ trying to put all that together and have that dynamic where we can make those decisions in is challenging. 
And it's a critical, critical time that we're in. So, with the vitalness of the Holy Spirit, which we need God's Spirit dwelling within us, and the truth of the Gospel, we need another element that is working in and through everything that we do. Not only as an elder or elders, but as people of God. And this vital element that we need has to be the love of Jesus Christ. That's got to work together with the gospel and with the Holy Spirit in us to help make that uh, effective as we possibly can. You see, because it's possible for us to have the Spirit dwelling within us and to know our Bibles really, really well, but not operating out of a spirit of love in and through all that. That's not a good place to be. The Spirit dwells within you and you know your Bible well, but you're not operating out of love. Actually, to be in a place of lacking in love or void of love, that's a dangerous place to be. It's a dangerous place to be. So here's our big idea as we think about that and coming into 1 Corinthians 13, it's this. uh, The deep, unending, impossible love that God has shown us, which he has in Christ, is now given to us through Jesus for us, to be others centred with this love. The deep, unending, impossible love that God has shown us is now given to us through Jesus for us to be others centred with this love. Let's step back into a passage now. The Corinthian church is in a bad way. It's in a bad way. They've got a list of problems there as long as your arm in that church. Uh, I'm so glad the Corinthian letter is in the Bible because I feel really comfortable sometimes when I read through that and I see what they were facing. They've got divisions, they've got factions, they've got lawsuits against each other. Christians are taking each other to court. Uh, sexual immorality is rife. That The rich are despising the poor. They've got pride and arrogance running rampant through spiritual gifts within the church here at Corinth. Anybody who would see what's happening and read through the book of Corinthians to say, this is a basket case as far as the church is concerned. Why don't we just tear the page of this church out, scrunch it up and just drop it in the basket? Who would want to come to the Corinthian church and try and sort their way through all of this? It's a basket case. But there's very powerful lessons here to be learned from the, uh, the letter to the Corinthians that are directly applicable to us today. Paul seems to have this massive corrective letter going on to the Corinthians. It's issue after issue after issue. He's just dealing with problems here within this church. And then he gets to chapter 13, which we just read part of it before. And at first glance, when you look at chapter 13, you think, now this doesn't fit. This doesn't fit with the flow of the letter because Paul's got all this corrective stuff going on. It feels like maybe Corinthians 13 is just sort of jammed in the middle here for some reason between chapters 12 and 14. It's a bit like Paul, maybe you were sitting down in Rome where they they think he wrote this letter. Maybe you were sitting down there and you had this light bulb moment and you thought, gee, I've just got to write this down while I can. And oh, it just happens to fall at chapter 13. It just doesn't seem to fit. No way. No way is it like that. It has not been jammed in there. Paul knows exactly what he's doing here as he writes chapter 13. In fact, he introduces chapter 13 at the end of chapter 12 and he says this, and I will show you a still more excellent way. He's, he's actually leading on here through the discussion from chapter 12 about actually there's something you really need to hear here. There's something you really need to see. Paul can see what the Corinthians are lacking here is love. 
amongst all this other range of gifts and stuff that's happening within their church. Through all of their challenges, all of their issues, love isn't operating in what they do. Have a look in verse 1 as we step into that now. He says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I've got all the eloquence of speech, and the Corinthians had some great speakers in that church, and they were known for their rhetorical skills of speaking. If they've got all the faculties of speech, and they can just put these unbelievable speeches out that sound fantastic, and we're just sort of mesmerised by them, but they have not love as they do that, Paul says, you're just like a two-year-old bashing on the cymbal giving you a massive headache. You might sound great, but there's no love in what you're doing or through how you're presenting yourself. It's like a noisy gong. It's like a bashing cymbal. You may put all your thoughts together very well in a well-presented argument and discussion, but you've got no attitude of love in what you're saying. Paul says you're like someone who brings a bell into your bedroom at first thing in the morning and just rings it in your ear. It's not pleasant. Paul says you're like a noisy gong, like a clanging cymbal despite all of your abilities and skills to speak and talk. He goes on, verse 2. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, there's a lot of alls there, so as to remove mountains but have not love, Just read the next three words. I am nothing. Strong words, aren't they? I can do all of that. What would you think of someone who held these prophetic powers, someone who understood all knowledge and all mysteries and faith to do amazing miracles? You would think, well, they're pretty amazing. That's that's just mind-blowing stuff that they can do. Or someone who can unlock the mysteries around coronavirus. Someone who knows exactly all about the vaccines and what we should be doing and shouldn't be doing and knows exactly how to get this world out of the mess we're in. If you saw somebody like that who's just understanding all these mysteries, you think, God, this person is super important. But Paul says, without love in every aspect of who they are, they're nothing If they're cold and uncaring towards people, or if they're insensitive to how things affect people, or if they're unwilling to sympathise with how others are feeling, if there's no love with these unbelievable powers of knowledge and understanding and faith to do miracles, if there's no love with that, Paul says, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. Who you are and what you do without love amounts to nothing, absolutely nothing. That's devastating. You might possess all that power, but if you have not love, you're nothing. What's Paul saying here? Love is critical. Love is critical 
God is love. He's created us in his love. The way he's created us in our humanness, we crave for love. We all long to be loved and we long to love someone else. That's why when a relationship breaks up, people are broken hearted because of love. It's devastating. That's how we've been created by God is to be loving people. Paul is saying here with the Corinthians, amongst all of your divisions, amongst all of the issues you're facing, you're missing the main ingredient. It's like cooking a chocolate cake and leaving out the sugar. It's going to taste horrible, isn't it? Paul's saying, Corinthians, when you leave out love, you're leaving out the key ingredient to sweeten these relationships between each other. You may have all the right words and all these powers, but you haven't got love, you're missing the main ingredient. And how will that carry you through these tough times if you haven't got this ingredient of love there amongst it all? And that's so true, isn't it, when love is missing? When it's missing. If someone has all the right answers and they have the clear path forward, but they have no heart or they have no empathy or warmth or feelings about you or the situation you're in, and someone's trying to give you advice in that sense, and you can see they're not really engaged with you in a loving way, you sort of feel like saying, look, I can see your heart's not in it. Don't worry about it. It's cold. It's calculating. It just, it just, don't worry about it. I can see you're not really into it. You see, this is the main ingredient that's missing here with the Corinthians. Love. And it changes everything. Paul goes on here with the Corinthians to now say what love is and what love isn't. Sort of describing now, you're missing love, but here's how it is. Now, I'm not going to unpack everything here in these next few verses, four to six, because they are rich, rich with verbs, sort of you know, doing words, um, which describe what love is for us. But we're going to pick up a few. Let's look at the first one here in verse four, the first of these descriptors. Love is patient and kind. So what's Paul saying here? The love that Paul talks about is a love that waits. It's unhurried. It's not anxious. It's patient. It's not one of a sort of just, you know, let's get going. Let's, just, let's get this thing moving. Love's patient. It just takes the time that's required to do what needs to be done without hurrying things on. Paul says there it's kind as well. What does that mean? It's, it's thoughtful towards others. It's thinking, how can I do a kind act or kind deed towards others? Love is actually marked by kindness, something we do. Let's go on to the next one here. It's the middle verb of this whole passage of verbs here. And in verse 5, Paul says this, uh, it does not insist on its own way. Now, when Paul says that, it's like somebody turning on a bright light in a dark room. If you stop and just park on those words that he's just said there. It does not insist on its own way. It's the sort of light that begins to expose our darkened understanding or our darkened view of what love is. You see, true love doesn't hold up my wants or my desires first. True love isn't about me getting to the top of the line so I can get the best seats in the house. True love 
is it about thinking and acting in such a way that it looks out for me first and foremost? It isn't about that. What Paul is saying here is that true love is others-centred. Others-centred. True love doesn't insist, doesn't demand my own way. True love is looking out. True love is others-centred. True love is thinking outside of ourselves and thinking of others first ahead of myself. Ouch. That should hit us. That should actually pinch us. See, God never created us to be solely thinking of ourselves first and foremost. Since sin has entered into the world, our human nature has another virus, way more deadly than the coronavirus, called the sin virus, that has so affected our human nature that we are bent back in on ourselves and now we love ourselves before anything else. That manifests itself in many different ways, but we think about ourselves first when we think about life and others later and sometimes if at all. Sin curves ourselves back in on ourselves and we actually think about ourselves. It's about putting me first in my life. It's my wants, my desires. It's about loving me. Now, I remember a few years ago, there's a bit of an example of this. I remember a few years ago, they were doing major works on the causeway between Marupa and Shepparton, and traffic was reduced to one lane. And traffic was often banked up at peak hour there between Marupa and Shep, about 8 o'clock in the morning, for nearly a kilometre or so, right back between Marupa and Shep, all in one lane, but it was a four-lane road. And you're now starting to imagine probably what's happening here. It didn't stop people just getting into the vacant lane, which they shouldn't have been in, and just driving right past the kilometre of cars and just trying to push in right up near the front. Imagine that scene. I had to imagine it a few times. It wasn't me in the car on the outside lane, okay? Was that a loving action of that individual car driving right down the outside past all those cars? No. Who were they thinking about primarily when they did that action? themselves were they thinking of all the others as they drove past them probably laughing at them but they weren't thinking about them in a positive way were they they weren't thinking about the people who were all waiting patiently in that queue of traffic they were thinking about themselves they weren't thinking about other people it's just a picture of how we just get curved back in on ourselves and we think life's all about us they just weren't thinking anything about the people they were just driving right past You see, true love thinks of others how they'll be affected before thinking about myself. Really powerful words that Paul drops there. It doesn't insist on our own way. The last one we'll look at is we just think of Paul describing, this is verse 6, that true love rejoices in the truth. Uh, Love doesn't rejoice in a lie. Love doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. True love doesn't sit idle when falseness rises up around about us. True love, real love, delights when the truth is upheld. It doesn't delight in falseness. Now, we've seen it sometimes in the media in the past when a woman perhaps has been assaulted by a man and everybody around that guy, because he's a well-known figure, may try and cover up for him. 
no one's got the courage to step up and actually say what's happened. See, true love doesn't delight when that situation's happening. When someone finally braves up, as it were, and gets the courage to speak out, speak up and say what really happened, true love delights in that because that's showing true love to the victim in that situation. It delights in the truth, not in falsehood. That's what true love does. It rejoices in the truth. You see, as we think about what Paul's saying in just those three little pictures there, true love is others-centred. It's not centred on us, it's others-centred. Paul goes further. He takes love out of the shallows of fleeting feelings and he brings love into the depths of committed action no matter what we're facing. Look in verse 7. He says this, Love bears all things, love believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. It's a breathtakingly amazing passage of scripture that Paul's just written there. It's any wonder it's um, read out at fun- uh, funerals, weddings. Love bears, believes, hopes, and endures some things. No, all things. Not some things, all things. No matter what you or I are facing, true love never walks away and true love never gives up. Never walks away, never gives up. True love goes through all circumstances. True love believes and looks for the best in all things. True love hopes for better days ahead through all things. And true love perseveres to the end when everybody else may give up. True love hangs on. True love goes the distance. What is this love here that Paul is talking about with the Corinthians that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things? Well, it's certainly not built on feelings. It's not built on feelings. How do we know that? Because if you read the preceding chapters leading up to this, the feelings they had for each other in the Corinthian church at that time were running high in the opposite direction of love. It wasn't ooey-gooey-gary feelings of love. They are actually at loggerheads. They were actually taking each other to court and suing each other, facing all sorts of division and mixed opinions. Their feelings were heated, bitter emotions, not feelings of love. So the love that Paul's talking about here as he brings this to the Corinthians and us today, this love is a committed decision to love in the mind committed decision and to take that mind decision to make it an action in our lives not a feelings orientated thing but a mind thing and I'm sure the feelings that I've weren't there initially but as they practice love in committed decisions very often the feelings of love will then begin to follow after that but initially it's not that it's actually making a committed decision regardless of how I feel that's seriously challenging. But that's, that's exactly what the Corinthians needed to, to get them through these challenges and difficulties they faced. This sort of robust, strong love that Paul's describing here. Now the love that they needed really is a very much an impossible love in the natural sense. You can't do that if people are pushing back against you. You actually just, 
in our natural sense, we don't have that within us to do it. It's way too strong for us to try and rise up and make this um, committed action. We, we Actually, we just want to walk away. That's why marriages break down, because the hard stuff comes, and they say, no, I'm out. I can't do this. can't do it in the natural. We, we, when people treat us in certain ways, we're just repelled by that, and we need something really strong to overcome that repelling effect of what they're doing to us. And what we need is a love that's been demonstrated towards us, that shows that impossible love and then through that we need a transformation within us to take hold of that love that's been demonstrated for us by someone else and then put into action in our lives. There's only one person who's ever done that. There's only one person who's shown that impossible love without ever giving up on us. Only one person who's done that. That person is Jesus Christ. Look at what it tells us here in Romans chapter 5, 8, about God and his love for us through Christ. He says this, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's another powerful verse, reflecting God's love. That's the sort of verse when you read that and camp on for a while and think about what's happening, that's the sort of verse that should bring us to our knees in worship. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, God loves us while we are walking in bitterness, rebellion, jealousy and total disregard for him as our creator. While we are yet sinners, living in defiance of who he is, God loves us impossibly in that time. And that love then is then demonstrated by Jesus willingly dying on the cross to pay the price of our sins. In an act of love, in a demonstration, he sends Jesus, his only son, to take our place on the cross while we are yet sinners. You see, when we see that, when we grasp that, when we actually see this vivid demonstration of love, undeserved and unearned, we don't do anything to earn it, nothing to deserve it, How can we, when we see that and have God's Spirit now actually changing our heart to experience that love, how can we actually hold back that love from other people when we've seen it so actively demonstrated for us, when it was so undeserved? How can we not treat others with that same sacrificial love that never gives up when we've actually seen it done for us? We can't. We must. The Spirit within us gives us that strength to do that, to show this love to all people. You see, this principle of love that Paul talks about here in Corinthians 13, it's vital for us. Right here, right now, right in the life of this church at this particular time. Again, we are grappling with all sorts of challenges. Not the depth of what Corinth faced, so please don't hear me thinking as exchange church like Corinthians. No, no. But again, there's, there's many, many challenges that we're facing this time with COVID restrictions, with vaccine laws and regathering. And we need this principle of love here working through everything we do. Because why is this? We have loved brothers and sisters in Christ who've chosen not to take the vaccine. And we, that's a position we totally respect, totally respect and have no problem with it. But at the same time, as we think about these brothers and sisters, they are facing really difficult consequences for that choice right now, right here. How do they feel at the moment, a good number of them? 
They feel squeezed into a minority position. They feel as though they are looked down upon or they're rejected because of their choice. They may even feel like people are watching their every move wherever they go. That's some of the feelings that are going through their mind. And they really are feeling that. Now, personally, as I've said a number of times, I believe the vaccine mandate has gone way too far, way too far, way overstepped the mark. But it is what it is. And these are the conditions and the regulations we have to live within. So we want to love our brothers and sisters who are struggling and suffering at this time. We want to show them real and genuine and true love and do all that we can to encourage them in their faith in Christ and to grow in the gospel in this really hard place. It's really important to show them at this time that they're not identified by their vaccination status. Whatever that might be telling them in their mind at this particular time, that's not what identifies you as a person. They are identified in Christ and his love for them and as a loved brother and sister with us. We respect their decisions and we don't see them any differently. As much as they may see themselves differently, we don't. They've just made a decision. And the principle of love has got to actually work through us to treat them in that way and to love them in that way. It makes no difference whether you get the vaccine or you don't get the vaccine. I see you no differently. I love you no differently. So vital for us to do that in this particular time. Why? Because we want to see them grow in Christ because that's what Jesus wants to see them doing too is grow in him during these difficult days. And what this love is going to say is we're not going to walk away from you. We're not going to leave you in the lurch. We are going to go the distance with you no matter what it takes at this particular time. We love those who've made a different choice. And that love flows both ways. Likewise, those who've chosen not to take the vaccine will love us no differently. They won't look at us for making a different choice. They, they'll too want to see us grow in Christ and see the gospel flourish within us, just as we want to see that happening in them. And we'll all share a common goal of regathering, doing it the best way we possibly can, working within all the dynamic constraints that we're trying to flourish in. We actually want to see that go both ways. We want to see them be able to gather as best we can to help them grow in the gospel and they want to see us to be able to gather as best we can so we can grow in the gospel and doing it as best we can together in those constraints. You see, love is a key element here. It's a really key element. Just as Jesus didn't look to his interests and gave himself up for us, so we too, both vaccinated and unvaccinated, are to look to our own interests first. To look to others. In love, this robust, strong love that Paul's talking about, how can I uh, consider to, how can I actually help my brothers and sisters in Christ flourish? What can I do no, no matter who they are? How can I help them grow in the gospel where they're at right now? And I say this is critical because of this. We are really in dangerous times. We are really in danger. And, and the reason I say that is this. 
Sin and Satan are crouching at the door of our heart. Crouching at the door of our heart to get us to react selfishly and with bitterness towards each other in this current context. He is working overtime in this to create division. He's working overtime in this to uh, crush our souls, to help us to be devoid of love. Sin and Satan is right there amongst everybody through all sorts of differing opinions and differing viewpoints to allow openings where he can just come in and sow anger or bitterness or whatever. It's dangerous. It's really dangerous times. Because it's so easy for us in this place to get personal. It's so easy for us to get bitter. It's so easy for us in these times in our heart to allow that to come out. So I'm pleading with you. I'm pleading with you. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Don't give the devil a foothold in your life. Don't allow your flesh, the sinful nature within all of us, to rise up and get a foothold and become bitter or angry or unloving. Guard your heart. Meditate much. Think much on the love that Jesus has shown you and I. Think about what he's shown us and then actively show that love to others through committed decisions of the mind. Acts of kindness, acts of patience, not insisting on my own way, taking what Paul said here and putting that into place in our lives. Now it's not easy. It's actually really difficult and really hard and it doesn't come within us to do that naturally. Here's something that I've found that gives me power to do that and anybody can do this and it's really simple you pray you pray how do I know that because I've experienced the spirit's strength in my love to show love in really difficult times by praying by simply praying because I know how deficient I am in myself. It's just not there within me naturally. And I know where I've got to be. I can't do it my own strength. So I ask for the spirit strength within me. So I pray and I simply ask this and I pray this basically every day. Jesus, please help me to love others today as you've loved me. Anybody can say those words. Think on those words and pray those words from your heart. Lord, please help me not to think of myself first. Help me to break that mindset of thinking of myself first. Help me, Jesus, to think of others first. Help me to love them in that way. And here's what I discover as I humbly come before the Lord in that. My love increases for other people, for the ones that I think are difficult to love. It's amazing how God just gives what's required at that time and people you find really hard to love, you start to love them by praying and asking for the God's spirit to work in that. So I'm confident, confident, hopeful, really hopeful that through this difficult interim period, interim period, that God will grow us in his love. 
and we will see him in more profound and selfless ways that God will grow in our hearts as we look to Christ and as we apply that love in and through our lives to others. We will see good things take place out of this. There'll be hard times to go through, but there'll be good things that God will do in our lives as we pray and seek his face and allow that love to work through us. Let me pray. Father, we come before you today. A lot of people who are deficient of this love. Lord, we come before you today as a people who read what the Holy Spirit has inspired through Corinthians 13 and we just long to be like that. As much as there's a war inside of us that doesn't want to be like that, we actually see that and we say, that is so beautiful. Lord, I pray today, I ask Holy Spirit that you would come and refresh our hearts in the love of Christ, refresh our hearts in the one who gave away all. Didn't think of himself came and took our place upon that cross, bared the rejection, bared the mocking, bared the ridicule, so that he could rescue and save us. God, give us the strength, I pray today, to make committed actions of love, not insisting on our own way, but an others-centred love. Lord, for those who are struggling deeply at this time, and, and Lord, I know there's a number who are, help us to love them. Help us to care for them. And Lord, may that reciprocate both ways, as brothers and sisters in Christ, seeking to love you and to love each other. And may that transformation of love, Lord, do amazing things within us to grow us in the gospel, to grow us in Christ and to grow us into a community that takes this same love and reaches out to the community around about us with that love. God, we ask again today for a refreshing of that love in our hearts and that we would take that into our community, Lord, community of brothers and sisters in Christ and love them, just simply love them by thinking of them ahead of ourselves. Lord, we ask and we pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us. 